Hi, everyone. Welcome to Digital Insights Outlook Podcast. I'm Gina Daniel-Lee, Vice President, Strategic Alliances and Partnerships at Stratix, and your host for this podcast today. We're talking about mobile and the impact to frontline workers. The adoption of mobile technology in the workforce is really booming. What's interesting is that the majority of that growth is being led by frontline workers, not office-based knowledge workers. Today, I'm joined by Joe Boyle, CEO of Truths Software, and Kip Wagner, Stratic's very own Chief Revenue Officer. I'm excited to chat with you both on this topic and talk about the why behind the growth and some industry best practices that should be considered. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Joe. Hi, Gina. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, yeah, a pleasure to be here. So let's start. Would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about your background and a bit about Truce Software? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I have spent my career in enterprise software and enterprise software as a service. The first half of my career was spent in B2B supply chain and B2B supply chain integration. Uh, and then I've spent the second half of my career uh, in solutions that are all about mobile workforce optimization. Uh, and so uh, I love technology and I've always been passionate about uh, how it can improve outcomes, especially in business. Uh, and so at Truce, I'm extremely fortunate to be a part of helping people make the, the most out of what's probably the most transformative technology in history in the form of mobile computing. Uh, and so at Truce, we're all about uh, helping people to take the tools that uh, that, that mobile computing make available to us and use them in the ways that really optimize our productivity, optimize uh, our health and safety, uh, and get the, the very best out of what mobile technology has to offer. That's great context. Thanks so much, Joe. Okay, Kip, your turn. Tell our listeners a little bit about you. Thanks, Gina. And uh, Joe, nice to uh, talk to you today. Gina, thanks for uh, for moderating this. Uh, again, my name is uh, Kip Wagner. I'm the Chief Revenue Officer here at Stratix. I've been with the company for about a year and a half now. Um, really came in um, uh, back in January last year to really drive uh, sales, marketing, what we call our customer success team and our mobile solution architects that are out in front helping craft the solutions for our customers. My experience in the industry really goes back 25 years. Uh, similar to Joe, I've been in IT services and SaaS software, uh, as well as mobility most recently. And um, I've always been involved in sales and marketing uh, as a sole contributor a long time ago, and then managing and running these teams over the last 15 years. And what's most important, I, I work for a very similar company to Stratix previous to this, so I have lots of experience in the MMS space, and uh, Stratix is a managed mobility service provider. In fact, we're the largest pure play MMS provider in the country. And uh, kind of to Joe's point, um, if you look at what's happened over the last several years, um, you know, with the pandemic even, you know, it's not just about smartphones and tablets anymore. It's really about the endpoint devices. And, you know, people talked about mobility five or six years ago, really around consumer. And there's lots more activity now happening uh, with all kinds of things, whether it's a MacBook or ruggedized devices and, you know, managing that endpoint for customers with new use cases and personas, um, many of which now are really extending into uh, we'll talk more about here in a minute, is productivity and efficiency gains that can be had 
at the endpoint for delivery or you know truckers or people in the supply chain and distribution channel. So you know we're in a really good space, Joe and I and, and Gina and others uh, the, that are out here now working for our customers to really drive revenue gains, productivity, and efficiency, which is you know what I'm really uh, focused on here at Stratic. So thanks, Gina. Look forward to the discussion with Joe today. Likewise. Thanks for that intro, Kip. Appreciate it. So to begin our episode, Joe, I'm going to start with you. You know, many would assume that it would be office-based knowledge workers who'd get the most benefit from mobile technology, but that's not really the case, is it? You know, I think everybody benefits from from mobile technology, but look, when you're a field-based worker, you really do live a different life, uh, whether that's because you're a salesperson out uh, in front of customers or you're a technician uh, out delivering service or you're a, uh, a line worker who's, who's out uh, doing repairs. Uh, the, the world is very, very different when you're not uh, tethered to a desk and when you don't have all of the traditional resources and computing power that we've, uh, that, that we've surrounded the office-based worker with. Uh, and so the advances in mobile computing have really created uh, an environment where those frontline workers who have a, a wide variety uh, of dynamics uh, in their job, uh, the ability to really do their job uh, more effectively with better resources um, by, by having all of the information and answers at their fingertips as they move uh, throughout their day to different job sites and performing different tasks. That's great. So, Kip, what are some of the potential drawbacks when frontline workers try to use mobile for the first time? Yeah, great question, Gina. I think, you know, if I look at it, it may be safe to use a mobile device in one location, but not another. You know, take a delivery person as an example. You know, we've got clients right now that are using mobile devices to enable like small route and hyper efficient delivery management. So really talking about delivery of services or products. And, you know, while they're, you know, running a truck, whether it's short or long, long haul, you know, they may be distracted and there's risk associated with that. So we want to make sure that these companies, you know, are, you know, looking at us as a thought leader in this space to drive these use cases and personas and to leverage you know, technologies that will allow that, you know, individual at the endpoint to use that device for specific, you know, needs. In this case, maybe delivering a product or a service to an end customer. Uh, additionally, without the right strategy for deployment and user support or repairs, organizations uh, may not achieve the full benefits or an ROI of their mobile investments. So as part of what we do at Stratix is we really sit down with a customer and look at those use cases, look at those personas and then build out a program that really helps them achieve that ROI and the productivity and efficiency gains. In this case, leveraging something like Truce as an option to do that. So, so Joe, at Truce, you have something that you refer to as contextual mobile device management. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we do. Uh, so we think about everything in context, or to say it another way, we think about everything situationally. What that means is that how you use technology really changes as you move throughout your day. For example, what was okay for me to do on my phone this morning before I left for work in my personal life is different from what I should be using my device for uh, as I'm here in the office. And that's different even still uh, from what uh, might be a good idea for me to do with my device when I'm in a high-risk environment like uh, out on a job site or maybe behind the wheel of a vehicle. Uh, and so what 
contextual mobile device management recognizes is that acceptable uses of devices really changes based on the environment. Uh, and your environment changes in real time. You need technology that can keep up with the, the dynamic realities of the world. Uh, and to be able to uh, give your employer the ability to think about the most effective ways for you to use mobile technology at any given time and to have your experience on that device change to adopt to those policies as you move throughout uh, throughout your day. So, you know, by taking those steps to identify and mitigate those risks or to increase uh, the, those, those opportunities to use devices effectively, organizations can improve uh, decision-making with greater awareness, visibility, and preparation. That's really powerful, Joe. So do you think that proactive risk management can help businesses curb rising insurance costs and, and any other expenses? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, you know, look, mobile devices are, um, you know, look, they're a tremendous uh, driver of productivity in the workplace, but they also come with very real downside risks. Uh, they they not only are uh, a leading cause of accidents in the workplace in the form of distractions, uh, but they're also a uh, leading cause of productivity loss uh, from focusing on the wrong things at the wrong time. And so, uh, you know, what we see consistently, uh, you just take, for example, the, the driving use case. Uh, you know, consistently, most studies will tell you that roughly 40% of all accidents are being caused by people uh, looking at their mobile devices when they should be paying attention to the road. Uh, and what our customers see is that after implementing true software, uh, they see, you know, a 30 to 40% reduction uh, in their accident rate year over year. Example, uh, Over Public Contractors Insurance Group looked at four years of customer data uh, and found that companies that have a driver protection, protection solution in place have 33% fewer accidents than those without any solutions. And, you know, that reduction in accidents translated into uh, about $3.5 million in hard dollar cost savings. Wow. Safety, you know, is obviously the most, uh, you know, the most obvious use, but I think it actually goes beyond that, doesn't it, Kip? Because mobile de devices can also be a major distraction, as Joe just alluded to. How have some of our customers managed this? And are there any best practices that you can share? Sure. Yeah, exactly. You know, employees need access to all the functionality of their devices but only at the right times. Um, if they move from a different job site to another in a given day, and I'm not just talking about, hey, they leave an actual physical location, but let's say they move from one location within a warehouse, as an example, into another one, another part of the warehouse. You know, they should have access to the various you know, applications they need to perform that job because number, there's a couple of things that could happen. One, if I'm a forklift driver and I've got a, a device on that forklift, it gives me a, a, you know, access to those applications to perform that job. But if I leave there and go to the assembly line, as an example, then I'm going to get another set of applications that would, would allow me to perform my job. So one, it drives better productivity, better efficiency. Number two, it actually protects the end user for anything that they may be doing outside of, let's say, their job. So you know, they won't be distracted. So there's a lot of, I think... Um, value that could be driven in a solution that allows them to access certain applications uh, in that scenario. Uh, I'll give you an example. I mean, I, I was just reading something. IDC estimates that the uh, mobile work uh, population will grow more than 78.5 million, uh, 5 million 
in 2020 to 93.5 million by 2024. So this, you know, this in particular allows them to focus uh, becomes on how they can best enable this group to do their jobs at peak productivity, efficiency, and safety. Just what I just mentioned. Um, I'll give you another example. We work with a very large rail, you know, customer of ours that's based here in the southeast. And there's a couple of very unique use cases and, and personas that we work with. One is um, basically the conductors and the folks that are loading those uh, train cars. And it's they were doing everything uh, via paper, and then they actually allowed them to do things with their own mobile devices. Uh, we recently won a deal there where they're leveraging uh, iOS devices to perform what's called mobile train reporting. And it's increased the productivity as well as the efficiency of what they're doing, as well as safety around what they're doing in that scenario. The other use case in the same customer is in the yard where actually mechanics are using, again, an iOS device to do uh, what they need in order to perform a job. But again, you need to make sure that they're only accessing those applications to allow them to perform those jobs in a safe and meaningful way and not be doing something else that they shouldn't in a situation that could be otherwise dangerous. Um, so those are just some you know, very unique use cases for customers that that we're working with now. We had to sit down with them and go through, and we actually do a use case requirement um, gathering session along with persona development to make sure we understand exactly what's required of each one of those unique use cases. And I don't care if it's rail or warehouse or supply chain, you know, you need to sit down. It's not a one size fits all or silver bullet. You need to actually make sure as part of the requirement gathering and your, um, your definition for these particular projects that you sit down with them and understand what the goals are and understand what the use cases are before you suggest the solution. Those are great customer examples, Kip, and just really significant growth statistics for sure. So, okay, Joe, so when planning or managing frontline workers, what are some of the best practices to get productivity you want while also ensuring safety? Yeah, you know, I think Kip really, uh, really started hitting on some of the key elements here, and that is recognizing, uh, again, that, that, that everything uh, is situational. So, you know, really stepping back and thinking about the nature of your workers and the nature of the work to be done and thinking about how the mobile device facilitates those, the, the, those outcomes and using that combination of worker and circumstance uh, to really think about acceptable use of those devices and then design policies that match the right worker at the right place at the right time with the right pieces of technology on their device and have that uh, that, that that policy be adaptable uh, so that they can move throughout their day for example uh, sometimes you may not want or uh, it might not be advisable for someone to use a camera on their mobile devices, whereas at other times you want them accessing those cameras for uh, inspections and 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 the uh, augmented reality capabilities that uh, that come from that. Maybe you want them to be able to do uh, FaceTime in certain circumstances uh, to be able to resolve issues without having to uh, dispatch another technician. But in different times, uh, you don't want them perhaps uh, seeing an interesting sign as they're going down their route and trying to take a, a, a photograph with those, you know, with that same camera. So the ability to think situationally and dynamically about how the device enables their work or could detract from it, and then being able to manage the usage of those devices based on very uh, 
specific contextual indicators to let you know where they are uh, and what they should be doing so that you can have that device enabling everything that they need, but not uh, providing anything that could be distracting, dangerous, uh, or non-productive. Hey, hey, Joe, this is this is Kip. I, I'm going to interject for a second because I think this is really important for those people that may listen to this podcast. I think what's important to mention here uh, that Joe's really hitting on is the fact that you know, with Truce, you have the ability to kind of manage that contextual environment for that individual so that they only have access to certain applications to perform those jobs. And so, I mean, Joe, I mean, that's why we're so excited about this partnership is because it does, it it allows us to do one thing, marry the true solutions to the things we do when we gather requirements from a persona and use case perspective, but keep the, the end user safety in mind, compliance in mind, productivity and efficiency in mind. I mean, your solution does all of that. Right. I mean, the way that you set it up. Yep, yeah, that's, that's absolutely the point. And, yep. and I agree with you, Kip. I think I think that's really, really powerful and uh, a new powerful solution that we, we can help bring to market. You mentioned a couple of times, you know, us sitting down with our customers and understanding use cases and personas. You know, this this also. Um, goes to the importance of designing a solution with the end user in mind, right? So how should organizations really begin this process, Kip? Uh, great question. I mean, you know, people often think, or maybe they did, you know, 10, 15 years ago that, you know, an off-the-shelf, one-size-fits-all solution is going to be good for them. And it's it's not. Because of the amount of use case development that's happening and how mobility is so pervasive, it's, it's a mobile-first environment now. And I'm not just talking about smartphones or iPads. I'm talking about all kinds of devices that are out there. And so when, when you sit down with a customer, we do this all the time, Gina, as you know, we need to understand the entire environment of what they're doing um, so we can be innovative, but, but think about mobile first. And part of that is making sure we understand and develop use cases and those personas with them so we can contemplate, you know, where's the low hanging fruit? What do we feel like we can go after first to show benefit right away? But you have to start with, you know, meeting with those business users and those people in the field to understand exactly what their requirements are so we can build that roadmap for them. And so defining that, being careful about how you do it and keeping in mind, as Joe pointed out, what are all the things we need to contemplate? Are there certain compliance restrictions we need to be worried about? Safety, um, as well as like, you know, what are the goals for the business that they're under, right? As an example, I mentioned the rail company, like, you know, what's the goal for that that conductor or the person that's loading that car so that we can build a plan towards that use case persona and the outcome or the success metrics that we don't want to make sure we, we marry our requirements and our, our overall solution for. And then leveraging a solution like, like a truce to deliver on that behalf around all of our services as well. And so, you know, coming back with a, a, a defined requirement definition doc that includes the technical and business requirements with those use cases and personas, uh, we can be armed to go back to that customer to then define what that, that end solution will be. And we go about that in a systematic uh, way to deliver on that. I love it. So as we start to wrap up here, Joe, are there any other best practices that you'd like to share with our audience around equipping frontline workers with mobility? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, th there are some real great lessons learned about how leading companies are, are deploying mobility effectively. And I think that probably the biggest takeaway uh, is the ability for your workers themselves to drive innovation and this reality that uh, as you as you handle your your mobile deployment, 
uh, it's really critical to have partners that uh, can help you to manage those dynamic realities. What a lot of companies do is they'll go off and they'll identify that they want to embrace mobility and they'll, they'll bring in really powerful technologies um, like iPhones, and then they'll restrict the capability of those devices down to just very fundamental uh, communication platforms, and you kind of scratch your head and say, "Well, why did you why did you make all this investment uh, to not take advantage of it?" And the answer is, well, fear and risk and all these other things, um, because th there is this attempt to use these one size fits all uh, type of approaches. When you have a a dynamic partner who can help you to manage your uh, your deployment of mobility when you have dynamic solutions that can help you to manage your acceptable use, uh, what you create is an environment where you can really get the absolute best out of mobility, uh, but you also create an environment where your teams can drive forward that innovation. Most of the, uh, the, the innovation that we've seen from mobile devices has not been corporate-driven. It has been from the consumerization of of mobile and IT technology where workers, you know, had their iPhones and, and came into the office and said, hey, look at all these amazing things that I'm doing in my personal life. We could carry that innovation into the, the, the business world. And so, uh, again, having a, a good partner who can help you to manage the infrastructure and the realities of these deployments, having the right technologies in place uh, to, you know, to, to, to sort of wrap around uh, how you manage your, your, your mobility really does put you uh, in a better position to get the very best out of what mobility has to offer. Frankly, it also gives you the, a better ability to uh, have command of what's happening in your environment. Um, it, it's a little bit counterintuitive, but the more control you give up, uh, of, of trying to be very explicit about each and everything about the devices, the more command you actually get uh, of your mobile infrastructure and mobile technology. So uh, we see those as, as some of the key things that are really, really critical to getting mobility right. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, sorry, uh, if you don't mind me interjecting, I absolutely agree with Joe. I think you know what's happened in the past is IT owned uh, all the spend in the past, right? And so what's happened in, with the cloud and now with the pervasiveness of consumerized device and even some of these ruggedized devices as well is that the end user is saying, wait, why can't we do that, right? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? And so I think what Joe is, you know, what you're hearing so Joe say, which I completely agree with, is if a company is going to look at mobile first, they need to make sure they involve the right sponsors and stakeholders to ensure that they understand what the end users want out of the lever you know of leveraging these types of technologies and they don't put gates around something that's really powerful like a an iPhone or an iPad or an iOS device they actually use truce to look at it from a use case perspective so that when they're doing and performing a certain job, yeah, maybe they have gates around it because Truce does that for certain reasons. But when they leave that area, then they have full access to the rest of those assets that may, are part of that hardware or that device. And so they, they can't build these strategies in, in a black hole, right? They need to make sure that they involve the sponsors and end users in how they build out. And that's what we're really good at, Gina, as well as, you know, Joe and, and the Truce team is to really, you know, partner to come together with with uh, with 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 Apple or whomever to figure out what is the what is the customer really needing and making sure we involve the right people to build the right strategy.
I, I couldn't agree more. Great conversation, guys. So if you've listened to any of our uh, previous podcasts, you know I like to wrap up with a little bit of fun with some rapid fire questions that aren't necessarily technology based. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So, Joe, I'll start with you. Favorite city in the U.S. besides the one that you live in and why? Boy, it is tough to choose. I've been fortunate uh, to have traveled all over the country. But if I had to if I had to choose one, I'm going to go with I'll go with Key Largo. I'm a I'm a scuba diver uh, and any chance to be underwater uh, is, is is a good day for me. So uh Pennacamp, you know, Key Largo gives you great access to Pennacamp State Park and some fantastic diving. That's a great choice. One of my favorites as well. Kip, how about you? Well, this is a tough one. Um, and now that I live in Atlanta, I can actually say the city I used to live in, uh, Boston. Um, and I'm a little biased there, obviously, because I just moved about a year and a half ago. But Boston has, you know, while it's very cold in the winter, the summers can't be beat. You've got the ocean. I'm a big boater. And so I did a lot of boating and sailing uh, and you've got great seafood and certainly a lot of history there. And so I love Boston for all those reasons. Very good. So, Kip, I'll say with you, what's the most recent book you've read? All right. So this is I, I kind of teed this one up um, a little bit. Um, believe it or not, I lived in Boston for more than half my life, but I happen to be a Yankee fan. And so and most people are going to boo right now. But uh, I just uh, finished the book called The Yankee Years, which is a book about Joe Torre. Uh, phenomenal book. Um, but I wouldn't be caught with a Yankee hat on in Boston anytime soon. Actually, I lived there for 17 years in Boston and around Boston. So, But I never wore a Yankee hat out for the fear of, of – That's why you were able to live there for 17 years. That's right. right, no, right. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> hey, Joe, how about you? What's the most recent book you read? Uh, yeah, I actually just finished uh, a book called A Higher Call. Uh, I'm a history buff, and I love aviation as well. And so uh, this book uh, is about two pilots during World War II, one German, one American, who had a um, uh, an encounter uh, over the, the, the skies uh, of Europe um, uh, in World War II, uh, and both went on to, to survive the war and live their lives. And in their latter years, in their uh, 70s, they um, uh, each made an effort to, to, to kind of reconnect and find out if the other uh, man was still alive. They ended up uh, managing to reconnect and, uh, and became uh, like brothers uh, for the, the, the last years of their lives. So uh, really interesting story um, and uh, really talks about the power of, of I suppose, following uh, your, your your beliefs and, and doing what you think is right. That sounds like a really good one. I'm going to have to look that one up. So finally, final question. If you could eat only one meal for the rest of your life, Joe, what would it be? <laughs> uh, well, uh, okay. Uh, so, you know, uh, I'm a I'm a simple guy. Uh, I guess if if you stuck me with one meal for the rest of my life, uh, give me a good burger and uh, I'd, I'd probably be pretty happy. Very good. Kip, how about you? Uh, great question. Um, I'm a big dumpling guy and dumplings come in a number of different forms, as you're probably familiar. Um, you know, technically speaking, a knock. Yeah, sorry, a um, potato knocky or potato uh, dumpling is is one thing I love. And then you also have dumplings you can get from Thailand or dumplings you can get from Japan and you can get pe Peking ravioli. So 
Uh, I love anything that either is made out of pasta and or has potato in it. So love dumplings. Um, Very good. Now you're making me hungry. Guys, really great conversation today. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. Um, listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in as well. If you liked what you heard and would like more information or would like to sign up for future episodes, please visit us at straticscorp.com slash DIO to subscribe. We'd also love it if you would rate and leave a review for any podcast that you've listened to. Until next time, goodbye. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to be among the first to enjoy new episodes. Until next time, keep looking ahead.